Hello, everyone. It's Julie's story. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. Today, we're going there. We're going to be talking about the things that nobody wants to admit that they do. I do them. You do them. So we're just gonna we're just gonna call spade spade. We are going to call out the elephant in the room. We're going to unmask the eyes from behind the curtain, and we're just going to talk about it because these are things that we just need to admit that we do. And the first step to getting over doing them um, is getting out of denial. So that's what we're going to do together. So in no particular order, let's start with number one. So for number one, (laughs) number one is listening in on other people's conversations. You know, you know, those moments where you're at Starbucks and you're sipping your $18 coffee and you don't even care because it's that amazing. And all of a sudden you start hearing things like, well, you will not believe what Linda did. And, and, and suddenly you, you are on the edge of your seat and you're, you're craning your neck to hear girl, What's the tea? What in the world did Linda? You don't know who Linda is. You have no idea who these people are, but you are engrossed in these conversations. I found myself doing this and I really try not to do this because I really feel like people's stories are so awesome and amazing that I really want to give respect to them. And sometimes it's really difficult because when when you hear the tea that's going down and you heard that Janet took out her earrings and did a little head bopping in the story you're like well what happens next it's all we we are so programmed for stories and relationships it's very difficult to hear half of someone else's story without the satisfaction of seeing how did that drama end and i would really like to know i've seen i've seen this play out in a couple different ways in my life and um maybe you can relate to this but when I hear somebody's stories, I like try and not listen. But like I said, it's really hard because I kind of want to hear the end of the story. But equally as fascinating to me is watching people from across the room have a conversation. And my mind immediately starts creating a story. Suddenly, I know the backstory. I know that that particular gentleman, his name's Eugene. He grew up on a farm, but he ended up moving more to like city. He lives in a small house. It's blue. It has a white picket fence, but the the um, hinges on the top one on the left it squeaks a little bit when you open it. And he's tried to fix it a couple times over the weekend, but he couldn't. So he had to call his son-in-law. John. Like my mind just immediately goes into story mode. I know the backstory story. I know their history. And because my mind does this on a regular basis, I feel like I then need to, um, even if I can't hear the conversation that they're having, I need to voice the conversation they're having out loud to Andre or my kids because it's so entertaining to me like all of a sudden I am both people at the table I'm looking across the room seeing two people talking and I start voicing the conversation that they're having it is so incredibly entertaining to me and it only happens when I'm exceptionally bored and or I'm just having a really great day in my life I, I guess I do this all the time we were driving past this this road on the way to my kid's school and I look over to the right and there's an entire just group of of workers that I, th- I believe they work on power lines so they're all wearing you know those bright vests to help um 
to help them be seen and like they're working so they want to make sure that they stay safe and immediately my mind says this is the glowy jacket club there they are they're all gathering and suddenly my eyes go to as i'm driving them on the way to school there's one guy who's wearing khaki pants and so instantly this is the conversation that happens as i'm driving i tell the kids oh look the glowy jacket club they've arrived here and then i start voicing some of the characters and like yo yo like eugene like didn't you realize it's not khaki pant day you know it's it's jean day yeah harold like why you gotta always call out you like i just start going in on like the characters and the voices and my kids think this is this is they think it's funny and that's really why I do it. I think it's just because I really love making them laugh. And I think it's, but but now every time we drive past this community of men, it's the Glowy Jacket Club. And uh, we always kind of look to see, is Eugene wearing khaki pants? Every time there's always that one guy who's wearing khaki pants. And, um, you know, he didn't get the memo. And so there's a whole storyline that is involved in these random guys that are workers. So I definitely do that. And I know you, I know you might not do it to that extent, but I know you listen in on people's conversations. I know you do it. I don't even deny it. I know you do it. So the second one, this one goes back to, I think just personal embarrassment. I don't know like what this isn't me, what this isn't us. Maybe I'm the only person that does this. I don't think so, but you know when you're at a store and you ask for help for to find a particular item and it's not at Target because they have those red phones, but you're just at a store and the customer service person helps you find it, but they help you find not exactly what you were looking for. And this moment happens with me when I'm standing with this customer service person and I'm looking at them and I feel like I've already used up their time. They've been so gracious enough to help me. And I feel bad saying, this isn't exactly what I wanted. So generally what I'll do is I'll just say, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for your help. Okay. And I just kind of stand there looking at the item that isn't what I wanted. But I feel like, I don't know why I feel bad when they try and help me, but they don't fully help me. This actually happened this last week. My daughter was going to spend her gift card at Barnes and Noble and we went there and she's looking for this particular, uh, comic book version of a regular book that James Patterson wrote for teens. So he has the novel version and then he has the the comic book version and she wanted the comic book version. But when she asked the representative, he thought that she was looking for the novels. So he runs around the store to a couple different locations. He, he can see from the computer that the books that she's, that he thinks that she wants is in the store. So he goes to the back. So at this point, he's been helping us for about 15 minutes. And he was so sweet. He was so nice. And he comes out with this whole stack of novels. And she does the thing that I do. And he's like, hey, did you want all of these books? And she's like, well, I don't have enough. And then he just hands her one and walks away. And she looks at me. And I said, this isn't what you wanted, was it? And she said, no, I wanted the graphic novel version of this book. 
And so she like has this moment where she feels like she has to buy it. And I told her, I said, you don't, just because he helped you, like you don't have to buy it. Like it's okay. So, but this is what happened in my mind. I was like looking around. So we, I'm holding the book that she doesn't want. I'm looking around for the representative because I don't want him to see that I'm going to walk over to the correct section and put it back because it's not what I want. I don't know why I feel so embarrassed when this happens. Like, I just feel like, oh my gosh, he took all this time to help, but I feel bad that it's not exactly what I wanted and I don't want him to know that it's not what I wanted. I don't know. It's just like this weird moment. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but that happens all the time. The other thing that happens that you do and that I do you tell yourself that you are eventually one day you're going to go through your phone and delete the extra selfies that you've taken of that one scene you know when you're taking selfies and you take about 150 of them and the only difference really is the angle of your face it's amazing how the angle of your face and lighting is the difference between looking like Gollum from Gollum from Lord of the Rings and looking like an absolute boss babe supermodel it's extraordinary how just tipping your head slightly changes the entire photo and we all we all do this we all stand there and we take 1000 selfies and we tell ourselves I'm going to in my free time I'm going to go back and delete the ones that I don't like eventually that never happens so I think right now I have about 10,000 ish photos in my camera roll right now and I always tell myself oh one time when I'm watching a show I'm gonna go through and delete it never happens it never happens and then this moment happens where we all go to the phone store and our phone is like hey you're out of storage I've been trying to tell you for the last year that you don't need this many versions of this particular selfie especially because you hate them all but one so you go into the phone store and you're like, listen, my phone isn't functioning correctly. Help me. And they have to tell you that, one, it's because you haven't updated your phone. And then you remember, oh, the reason why I haven't updated it is because I have no room. And then they look. And this is like the moment where you're like confronted with all of your your lies to yourself. They look and they look down at the phone and then they look up at you and they look down the phone and up. You know that moment, that little exchange. And then you realize what's coming and they look up at you and they're like the majority of your phone is being used up by images it says here you have 35,000 photos um in in your phone right now and you're just hoping that they don't click that little camera like button and that they don't actually click into your images because then you would be outed in front of them they would see then that you do have rolls and the equivalent of rolls and rolls and rolls of film if this were actually a camera from the 90s this would be equivalent of 40 rolls of film of you in the same outfit in generally the same pose it's so bad that the the average person couldn't tell the difference. It just generally looks like the same photo over and over again. And you're just hoping that this cell phone person doesn't judge you. And you're secretly realizing that you've been lying to yourself and telling yourself 
that eventually one day you're going to go through and delete those. You're not. Um, I don't. You don't. Let's just admit it. Let's just be upfront and say we take too many selfies of ourselves, and we don't ever go back and delete them. And and then when our kids pop open our camera and they see those two, again, we're confronted with the reality when they say, mom, why do you have so many photos of yourself? And you quickly grab the phone. And you're like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then you run away <laughs> because you don't want to admit that you actually do have a problem. We all do that. We all, we all do that. Another thing that we all do that we don't want to admit is that when we're driving, so this is number four, when we're driving in the car and we have the music on and we're jamming, as soon as we don't know where we're going or there's a little bit of a hesitancy of am I turning right here or not, the volume in the car immediately gets turned down. It doesn't matter if Taylor Swift is jamming out. It doesn't matter if your theme song is playing. If you don't know where you're going in your vehicle, the music goes off. Why does this happen? Why do we do this? We 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 are boss babes. Some of us are mothers who have who have 10 children, but it feels like we have 47 children. And we are able to do so many different things at once. But driving in the car and not knowing where to turn or where we're going, the music, we have to have complete silence to even function in our life. It's so, it's so bad that, that, that the car companies, when you push on the brake, they actually, some, some vehicles, it actually turns down the volume for you. It's as if they're saying, we understand that you do this. We, we don't need to talk about it, but we're just going to do this for you. We respect you as an intelligent individual that can do multiple things at once. However, we do realize that having the volume up three or four notches when you're trying to make a turning decision is not something that you're capable of doing. So we're just going to manufacture the vehicles to go ahead and assist you with being able to be an actual functioning human being. I, I don't get it, but we all the, let's just admit it. Let's just admit we cannot drive if if we don't know where we're going with the volume up uh, with our music. It, we can't. We can't think. We've lost all time and space, and we all just need to come to grips with this is our reality, and we need to stop being in denial because that's the first step of healing. So number five. <sighs> Again, we just. We don't want to admit these things. Um, you know, we're not proud of them, but you know, it's things that we do. We we abandon our friend in public if they start to do something slightly embarrassing. It, it's like we can be the golden retriever of a friend. We will stick next to someone through thick and thin. But you start crazy dancing in the middle of a public place or you you say something that um, is a little bit weird or ridiculous and it's like we instantaneously break connections with these people that we love. Even sometimes our children, we will walk we will walk away six to eight to 12 feet away just so that we don't have to be associated with the behavior that is happening at this time. We've, we've all done it. And I, I feel like as much as we've all done it, we've actually had it done to us as well. My daughter, who is 12, I mean, she's already started um, implementing this behavior 
we were on a hunt in Target for a small backpack. And when I say small, there's a particular size that she had in mind. Imagine a little yard gnome of a child. And then imagine a backpack that would go on that size of an individual. It had to be small, okay? I'm not talking the could could function as a, a regular sized purse. I'm not talking you know, a few inches smaller than a regular backpack. She has all of those. I'm talking micro dot size, barely being able to fit anything. This is the size backpack that she was looking for. And so we looked in every section of bags in the store. And finally, I have this brilliant idea. Let's go look in the toddler section of the store because toddlers are the ones that are using the size backpacks that she wanted in this moment. And I thought that was a brilliant idea because regardless if it's a toddler size backpack, if it's a solid color, it could it it could function as a sixth grader backpack. This was a terrible idea to her. And um part of the reason it was so terrible is because she did not want to be caught anywhere near the toddler section of the Target store. And what I was thinking was, first of all, nobody knows why we're in the toddler section. It could just be because I'm a woman and I like baby things, or it could be because the toddler section of Target is adorable. We've already talked about this in another podcast. Andre's favorite section of Target is the baby section, adorable things. She, in her mind, was equating our appearance in this particular section as a reputation ruiner and it was compounded by the fact that just at the moment as we're reaching the edge you know that part of target where there's an aisle a very clear distinct aisle and there's a threshold where when you step over that threshold you are now in that section before you step over that threshold you could be considered just walking in the aisle as I was about to step over into the threshold of the Narnian part of Target, she sees a friend of hers from school. That's when she left me. She literally spun on her heels and walked so far away from me, I could barely see her little head bopping above the rows, the racks of of toddler infant clothes. And all I could hear was a hush whisper, but in a very um, aggressive tone. And it sounds like, mom, mom, like immediately remove yourself from the toddler section, like warning Will Robinson. It was just like alerts were going off everywhere. You would think that there was just a fire alarm sized uh, urgency going on here as she's calling me away from the toddler section. She didn't even step into that section, but it was just the association of me as her mom. That's when she abandoned me. And then this is what I'm talking about. We all have done this. Um, We all have abandoned our loved ones instantaneously when we don't want to be associated with them any longer. Have you ever seen anyone get stung, you know, by bee or if there's a bee around them in any, you know, capacity. Have you ever seen somebody who's terrified of bugs um, have a bug anywhere near them at all? The movements and the flailing that they make, uh, it's it's really resemblance of those um, blow up kind of 
the blow up guys in front of the car dealerships. You know what I'm talking about? Those wavy guys, they have the air inside of them and they're just, they're the attention getters. When, when a friend of yours is getting attacked by an insect, they do the most atrocious wiggle dance you've ever seen. And those are the moments that we, um, we turn away a little bit. We, we walk, we walk further away from them than we would when they're walking like a normal person. When they're looking like they are having a, a moment of inebriation from alcoholic consumption in the middle of your walk inside of a store. I don't know if you ever had a bug come attack you inside of a store. It's happened to me. Um, if there's, a perception of a spider web or a thought that maybe someone has run into a spider web. This dance happens at that point. This is the point where we all, we all abandoned our friends. We, we act like we don't know them at all. We, we turn away and then we, we glance back and judge them so that we all just look like the onlookers and we don't have any association with them. It's happened. Um, I've done this to people, uh, people that I love, people that I would give my life for, like my children. Um, Sometimes when they have been crying on the floor in the middle of a store, I I walk a little bit away. I start looking at the different um, products that are on the shelves in, in, in hopes that no parent judges the fact that my child is laying on the floor kicking and screaming. Um, I've done that. Definitely done that. Okay, so... We've all done it. We don't want to talk about it. It's fine. Um, another thing that, that we've definitely done is that we, um, we, we talk to Suri. Um, when, when she doesn't uh, communicate to us the correct information or should she misunderstand something that we're saying, we have very little patience for a robot, if you will, whose only function is to help us in our life. So when we've asked Suri for particular information or we are in the middle of a store and we ask her to pull up a particular product that we're looking for and she comes back at us with, I'm sorry, I'm unavailable for you at this time. Or she comes up with exactly the opposite of what we're looking for. Or going back to the car driving scenario, should she give us the wrong directions at any time? We have very little patience for that kind of um, interaction or attitude in our lives. I mean, we deal with enough attitude just with our own self and with our own um immaturities we do not need the attitude of um an artificial intelligence that that her job is just to assist our life and make it better in the times where she doesn't serve us very well uh we will get get very feisty with her we'll get an attitude with her back without even signaling her to listen to us we just talk at her and uh we all do it when <laughs> we all we call her by name and we're like girl you better get your act together because this is ridiculous right now this is ridiculous that you are not assisting me you're making my life worse and uh, if, we, we, if we if we break it down like that we are the ones that sound crazy and that's probably why she's not helping us she's not willing to help us because we are ridiculous so Another thing that that we do is when we're in the car 
and we're driving and Suri's giving us bad directions or what, what have you. It, this actually happens outside of the car too, but I find at least in my life, it happens a lot in the car. But there's a car charger struggle between Andre and I. We both have our phones with us because we're those people. And, you know, I, 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 I would like to consider myself a very patient, gracious wife. I don't get frustrated. I'm very, it takes a lot to really get me frustrated. But when, when there's a dispute between the amount of battery between phones, I, I'm going to make him prove that he does have less battery than me. It's it's really interesting because I feel like this is um, this is one of those moments between husbands and wives where you realize how deep your trust runs. I mean, I, I trust Andre implicitly with my life, with the life of my children, with my heart. I mean, I, I give this man as much of myself as I, I have, I just more than any other person in my life. He just knows me backwards and forwards. But when it comes to how much percentage of battery do you have versus me, I make him prove that he does in fact have less battery than me. It's not that I don't trust him. It's just with this particular item, um, there is an an, an unspoken expectation that you need to prove to me your battery level. And whoever has the lowest battery, they are the ones that get the car charger or the actual charger. Another thing that happens in in our home, I'm not sure if this is an everybody thing, but for me, I, I lose my phone charger constantly because I'm always moving around the house and my phone always dies in battery at certain parts of the home. I never remember what those parts are, but my charger is never, it's never by the bed. It's always around the house. So there's, there's an extra added, um, frustration, if you will, around chargers, particularly because when I can't find my charger, I just go and take Andre's. So when he gets into bed at night, it's a long day of work and he gets in bed and he reaches for his phone charger next to his bed. A lot of times it's not there. I don't know where it is because I've moved it somewhere around the house. Always happens. Always happens. Um, and, you know, that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles. And I'm like, you know, Andre, this is, this is part of being married to me. This is part of your life now with me. So another one. Number eight that we all do that we don't want to admit that we do. Um, it's called Instagram Inception. Okay, this is where you click on someone's profile. You know what I'm talking about. And they're with someone that you might know or you're kind of curious, like, oh, who is that person? And then you click and then you go to their profile and then there's something interesting that they're doing or someone interesting that they're with and you go to someone else's profile. And five and a half hours later, you look up from your phone and you realized you don't even know what time it is. You have lost all sense of time and space because you just got sucked into the vortex of Instagram inception. This happens with me all the time. And it happens on YouTube as well. YouTube, when I click on a video and I watch it, they like, they know me. Okay. They know what I like to watch. They know what I think is going to be interesting. So it's like, they kind of like, they see what I'm watching and then it's like, they like slide into my DMs and they're like, Hey, 
Hey, Julie. Hey, so we went ahead and just lined up a couple other videos. Why don't you go ahead and just take a look at some of these other things? We really think that you're going to like it. And I'm like, okay. And then six hours later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just watched a mini documentary about how to make candy. Like, I, I don't even know what happened, but I just got sucked in. I feel like this on social media is kind of like... If you went to your favorite store to buy like a sparkly situation dress and when you walked up to the counter, this is what I feel like Instagram inception and like YouTube inception is like, you walk up to the counter with the sparkly dress that you want to buy and they're like, hey, we remember the last time you were in here, you bought some really great red shoes in a size seven. We went ahead and set out our top eight pair of red shoes right over here in a little room. We went ahead and turned on some Taylor Swift music for you and we bought you a grande soy latte with a little sprinkle of cinnamon. It's sitting in the chair. Also, there's a Georgetown cupcake to your right. Why don't you go ahead and sit down to try on these red shoes? While you're trying them on, we're going to have somebody braid your hair and we're also going to have somebody come in and, and give you a little bit of a makeup makeover. Is that okay? Is that something that sounds nice to you? That's what it feels like when when all of a sudden Instagram and YouTube are showing me things that I really like. The only thing I can say in that moment is yes. I, I feel like there's there's no other, I mean, how do you say no to such an incredible, incredibly curated, specific and intentional personalized experience? That's what these apps are doing. They are working to create these experiences for us that we just can't say no to. So we stay on the app forever and we realize that um, we're 42 years old and all we've done is just watch uh, random funny YouTube videos about cats and that's our life now. So number nine, number nine, I'm not sure if extroverts will really get this, but the other introverts that are introverts, um, this is going to be you. So you know how you're friends with people on Facebook that you, maybe you know their acquaintances, there's levels of friends, okay? There's like the inner circle, the outer circle, the outer, outer circle, and like the outer, outer circle. Um, I feel like as an introvert, there's about one one person in the internet circle that's like my husband and then there's like two or three people in the next circle it's like you know like the target logo just like imagine that and there's like a few people in each in each row and then the majority of the universe is in the way out outside that circle so anybody who's not inside of the circle who's just an acquaintance like and I love people. I I really love people and I really, really love helping people and I love loving people. I also have to manage my energy level. And when I'm out and about like just like shopping or for, with my kids and I see someone that's like an acquaintance, generally I will turn around and just kind of walk away for one of two reasons. One, because sometimes I get really socially awkward. Like I don't know what to say. And I'm also terrified that if I walk up to someone who's an acquaintance, they're not going to really know who I am. Like, I don't know why I have this like fear, but you know that moment where you're like, hey, how are you? And somebody looks at you like, I have no idea who you are. I like that moment is like the most awkward for me, especially because I'm a feeler and I just don't want to have that moment happen. And I've had people come up to me that like at different events I've spoken at. And I love that. Like I, I would love people just to come up to me and just say, Hey, how are you? Like, that's fine. But I think it's just the idea of me approaching somebody else. Like I saw you from a distance. I'm going to walk over to you and I'm going to risk the fact that you're going to have no idea who I am. So I'm going to be standing there 
trying to fill you in on my life and we're gonna have like a really awkward kind of exchange I think social awkwardness is things that I just try and avoid and maybe it's because I already feel so awkward anyway I already feel like half the time like what I'm doing and saying I'm just like so ridiculous and I just I can feel other people's awkwardness too. And so sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I just don't want to create an awkward moment. And then I generally do. So nine things we all do. I mean, let's just start admitting it because admitting it is the first step to getting the healing that we need and kind of getting over these things. And um, yeah, I mean, we're all on this journey together. So if I missed any, you know, send me over a message because um, I'm sure I missed a lot. But these are the kind of conversations that we need to be having so that we all know we're not alone. We're all socially awkward and we all have these feelings and we're going to make it through. We are going to get through Instagram inception. We're going to get through listening in on other people's conversations and turning the music down while we're driving our car. We can all do this together. So until next time, have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.